0: Good morning. Happy New Year. It's been a great year so far, hasn't it? (laughs) You know, it's so good to be here with you this morning. Although I'm no longer employed by this church, it's such a blessing to still be considered as part of the pastoral team and to continually be sharpened by this awesome staff and just to be a part of this church body. Isn't it so good to be a part of this church body? Uh, you know, I'm, And I'm also so thankful to have Adrian here now as our fearless leader. Is, isn't Adrian a great pastor? Yeah, let's, he's not here, but we can, we can clap because God is good, and he's brought us an awesome pastor, a fantastic leader, and uh, just a great theologian in his own right. I'm humbled to count him as a friend, and I'm also humbled that he's asked me to occasionally come off the bench, so to speak, and back him up and give him a breather from time to time. Now, in case you're wondering, I've been running quite hard over the past few months with free-thinking ministries. I've had the opportunity to impact many lives in the Kearney area, uh, around the country, and, and actually across the entire world already. I've had the chance to speak to several churches in Nebraska, and also to speak in Colorado, Kansas City, Atlanta, Georgia, and even do some ministry in the Dominican Republic a couple of months ago. Our online ministry is equipping people around the world on a daily basis from Europe to Africa, from Asia to South America. You know, I get to see lives transformed every single day, and it's so exciting, even right here in Kearney, Nebraska. You know, our website is about to be—let's put that back up on the screen if you don't mind. Our website is about to be released here in a few days. This is a snapshot of uh, some of the pages of what it's going to look like. Uh, freethinkingministries.com. I encourage you guys uh, to uh, be on the lookout for this in, in a few days and to spend some time on it. We're, we're really trying to help people think correctly in this world today, because many people today are thinking incorrectly, aren't they? There's a lot of bad thoughts out there, incorrect thoughts. And you know, these ideas, these thoughts, have consequences. It reminds me of what Paul says in Philippians. 4 8. Finally, brothers, he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We invite you here today. We ask you to impact our lives, to transform our lives, to transform our minds. Use us and transform us to impact this world that we're living in today. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul tells us to think in certain ways. Why would Paul tell us to think this way? Well, I think it's because the way we think is important because ideas have consequences. Have you heard that before? Ideas have consequences. All one has to do is to watch the news to see the many ideas that people are offering and then see the consequences that follow from these ideas. Back in November we were reminded of 9-11 when we watched the news footage of the murderous attacks committed in the name of Islam in Paris. These attacks were the consequences of previously held ideas. The next morning, I believe it was a Saturday morning, I awoke to a new kind of attack as I witnessed some other big ideas being communicated on social media. These ideas, though, these new attacks were not coming from Muslims any longer. They were being committed by atheists. In fact, a cartoonist responded to the hashtag pray for Paris refrain that became popular uh, over the following days after those Islamic attacks in Paris. A cartoonist uh, responded in this manner and said, friends from the whole world, thank you for hashtag pray for Paris, but we don't need any more religion. I saw many other atheists railing against Christians after these Islamic attacks. You would have thought that Christians were the ones that were committing these terror attacks. And this can be summed up in one of the most ignorant statements I've ever seen. One atheist offered this big idea and said, In regard to the Paris attacks, this is what happens when you take an ancient book seriously. This is what fundamentalist religion Gives you. Now, although there was no specific mention of the Bible or Christianity in this comment, his intentions were heard loud and clear, and many young, impressionable minds might be influenced by such propaganda. However, this statement of his is logically incoherent. It's ignorant, actually. This misguided statement commits what philosophers call the broad brushstroke fallacy. And it's a hasty generalization. He seems to be attempting to put all religions in the same basket. That's his idea. The consequences of his idea are incoherence, are ignorance. (laughs) And this is a huge mistake because all religions are not the same. That idea is false. Sure, one religion that takes one ancient book seriously can lead to violent terrorist attacks, and it does. But then does it logically follow that all religions that take other ancient books seriously would lead to the same thing? Of course not, that does not logically follow. That's an error in thinking, that idea is wrong. Now, there is a vital difference between Islam and Christianity. Sure, the two worldviews do share some overlapping beliefs, Christians and Muslims all agree, for example, that the universe began to exist and that it was caused and created by an enormously powerful and intelligent designer. But these two worldviews begin to part ways shortly after. The final words and conclusions resulting from these ancient books, the Quran and the Bible, are quite different, with Muhammad commanding all Muslims to kill all the infidels, all (laughs) non-Muslims. And Jesus commanding his followers to love all people, from their neighbors to their enemies. That's quite different. These ideas are not the same. Jesus goes on and says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. He says that twice in John 14. So you see, a Christ follower That's what a Christian is. A Christ follower is one that follows the commands and teachings of Jesus. All religions are not the same. All ideas are not equal. Now, let's switch gears here and talk about uh, the ideas, uh, deal with the comments of some of these atheistic terrorists that followed in the wake of the Islamic terror attacks in Paris. <clears throat> Excuse me. You see, we must not only discuss ancient religions, but also talk about all ancient worldviews and ancient ideas. After all, the Old Testament actually speaks of foolish atheists. So atheism is not a new idea by any means if they're talking about it thousands of years ago in the Old Testament. There's nothing new about atheism. Don't be misled but it's vitally important to understand consistent atheism. It's vitally important for us, if we're going to interact in culture today, to understand what follows from this idea of atheism. What logically follows if God does not exist? You see, if God does not exist, then there is nothing objectively good, bad, right, wrong, fair, or evil with anything. I've talked about that, here on a Sunday morning before. If God does not ex- exist, there is no what we call objective moral values and duties or obligations. Those things are just illusions if atheism is true. Well, it logically follows then that if, if naturalistic atheism is true, that means if God does not exist and all that exists is just nature and the physical universe, that's what we call naturalism. If naturalistic atheism is true, it logically follows that there's nothing really wrong with the Islamic terror attacks. There's nothing really wrong with that. On top of that, if this naturalistic atheism is true, these Islamic terrorists had no choice in the matter. This is what follows from naturalistic atheism. I want you to get this. If the physical universe is all that exists, then it's just the laws of physics and chemistry coupled together with the initial conditions of the Big Bang that forced these terrorists to believe and behave exactly as they did. There was no choice in the matter. It's not their fault. Blame it on the Big Bang. Blame it on the laws of nature. Don't get mad at people. They're just falling dominoes, according to atheistic naturalism, and so are you. Now, to make matters worse for atheists, just trying to help you understand these ideas that are out there, and are flooding our culture that we are in today, and that we are supposed to and called to impact and influence. You have to understand where they're coming from. To make matters worse for atheists, history is not on their side. This past century has provided evidence as to the consequences that follow from atheistic ideas, as the nations that have been governed according to these ideas usually end in suffering and mass human slaughter. Now, considering that if atheism were true, thank God it isn't. Did you catch that? Okay. If atheism were true, there is nothing really wrong, bad, or evil with any action, and that there would be no ability to make any moral choices, and given the history of governments officially adopting atheism, Make all deaths under the umbrella of religion pale in comparison. Why would anyone want to hold to an incoherent worldview like atheism over a world that commands all people to love all people? You see, ideas have consequences. I mean, Can you imagine the consequences of a world in which everybody agreed to and held and lived accordingly to the big ideas that Jesus offered? Can you imagine the consequences of, of a world where we all held to the ideas of Jesus? Sounds like heaven to me, where everybody loved everybody. That's the ideas of Jesus. That's what Jesus commanded. Can you, can you imagine the consequences of, of living in a world like that? It sounds like heaven to me. Maybe Jesus was onto something. So if you're keeping score here, Here's a quick recap in regards to the the ideas here that we're talking about. And, And let's consider the terror attacks just to get us started. In regards to these terror attacks, here's what each worldview or idea has to say on the matter. Let's first consider Muhammad's ideas. According to Muhammad's ideas, the terrorists were simply following a face value reading of Muhammad's ideas. Muhammad's final commands were to kill the infidels. Now, I talked to Adrian about this, and he said, I need to make it clear that there are many peace-loving Muslims. Moreover, there are passages in the Quran and Muhammad's earlier writings that encourage peace towards unbelievers. But the problem is that the Quran and Muhammad's life are just both so inconsistent. Sometimes they command tolerance, and at other times we see commands of violence towards the infidels, commands to kill all non-Muslims. And these commands seem to be the ideas that Muhammad had towards the end of his life. Those ideas have led to the consequences that we're seeing today. Ideas have consequences. Let's look at the ideas of atheism, that is to say, consistent atheism. According to the ideas, that follow from consistent atheism in regards to these terror attacks, there was nothing objectively wrong with these attacks. In fact, on naturalism, atheistic naturalism, it was simply unavoidable. These terrorists are simply falling dominoes who are not responsible for their actions. Now, let's consider consistent Christianity. According to the ideas of Jesus, the ideas of Jesus, you see, are vastly different here. According to the ideas of Jesus, these terror attacks were objectively wrong and evil. According to the law of Christ, all humans are commanded to love all humans. According to Jesus, we are commanded to love everyone from our neighbors to our enemies, even those who hate you and want to kill you. So, in a nutshell, Jesus says, love your enemies, Muhammad said, kill them all, and atheism says there's nothing good or bad with doing either. Ideas have consequences. Is there a best choice option? Well, of course there is. It's the one that's supported by all the evidence and the one that commands us to love. Ideas have consequences. Thoughts are vital, and your thoughts can take you captive. Let me read you two of my favorite passages in the New Testament. Paul wrote in Colossians 2.8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. See, there's nothing wrong with philosophy. I'm actually a philosopher, right? So there's nothing wrong with philosophy. What Paul warns against is hollow and deceptive philosophy. False thoughts, incoherent thoughts, lies. These thoughts can take you Captive. So do not be taken captive, Paul says, by these incoherent thoughts, by these ignorant thoughts, by these deceptive thoughts. He goes on in 2 Corinthians 10.5 and he says this, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So he says we can be taken captive by thoughts, but then he goes on and says, no, you take those thoughts captive. Don't just avoid being taken captive by these thoughts. You take them captive. You see, this is a war. This is a battle. This is the spiritual war you are in right now. It's how you think. It's the battle of the mind. And Paul commands us to become transformed by the renewing of our minds in Romans 12 2. So how does this occur? Well, this occurs when we choose to take a stand and to think according to reality. Reality, ultimate reality. Paul is also clear that Jesus is God and that God is ultimate reality. Consider what Paul says about Jesus in Colossians 1, verse 16. Paul says, For by him, talking about Jesus here, by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Okay, so let that sink in for a little bit. Jesus is God and God is ultimate reality in which everything else that exists is contingent upon. It depends on God for its existence. It would not exist if it were not for God. That means that God is ultimate reality. And if Jesus is God and we are taking our thoughts captive to obey what Jesus taught, then when we take our thoughts captive to obey Christ, we are choosing to think according to ultimate reality. And to do anything else is to miss the mark and to be ignorant. And it's only a matter of time then before you have a painful collision with reality. Now I contend that with this new year, we make the most meaningful resolution to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this means I'm going to encourage you this morning to take your thoughts captive, as Paul commands, before they take you. You see, I believe that all of us can become transformed by the renewing of our minds in 2016 by taking three kinds of thoughts captive— This is the New Year's resolution that I'm going to challenge you with this morning. Taking three different kinds of thoughts captive. Let's begin with the first. Intellectual thoughts. Intellectual thoughts. This might be the most important because everything you think and do is ultimately based upon your worldview. Now, Free Thinking ministry seeks to answer some of these big intellectual questions. For for example, does God exist? Is Christianity true? Is the Bible reliable? Does life continue after death? Is there meaning to life? You see, the answer to all of the above is a resounding yes. And we can actually appeal to logic and evidence to prove these things without just assuming them. But you see, when one has an intellectual understanding of reality, of ultimate reality, then one can start to take their thoughts captive and choose to correspond to reality. When one does this on a regular basis, the transformation of the mind occurs. Now, this is similar like going to the weight room or the gym. If you just go to the gym once in 2016, are you going to have bigger muscles or be physically transformed by 2017? No. You won't see any physical difference. But if you make it a habit, if you go to the gym three or four times a week for several weeks or, you know, for every week and and do that for months in a a row, if you do this all year, by 2017, you're going to become transformed physically. Well, the same is true when it comes to our mind. When you choose to take your thoughts captive on a regular basis, you will see this transformation occur. I've seen it happen in my life. I know it works. I've seen it happen in others lives. If you just take your thought captive once, are you going to be a different person in 2017? No. But if you choose to make this a habit several times a day, every day, every week, every month, you will be radically transformed by the renewing of your mind by the time 2017 rolls around. Now let me tell you something. I offered those five questions. Does God exist? Is Christianity true? Etc. Evil loves nothing more than to get us to doubt the truth to these major questions. Now, let me ask you a question. I want to see how many of you are honest here. But how many of you, don't be be scared to raise your hand right now. But how many of you have ever had any doubts about all this God stuff? Anybody? Maybe a passing doubt. Maybe a doubt that keeps you up at night. All right, a lot of hands. And you know what? You're in good company. Here in good company, consider the disciples of Jesus. I mean, Thomas, after all, gets the moniker for the last 2,000 years of doubting Thomas. Poor guy, I think it's kind of unfair that he gets that label. But yeah, he, he was a doubter. I think Peter was way worse. I mean, consider Peter was such a doubter that he, he denied he even knew Jesus three times in one evening, right? I mean, he, he was a doubter, all of them were. I don't know why we pick on Thomas. But what changed Thomas and Peter from doubters to bold and confident proclaimers of Christ? What transformed these guys from incompetent cowards into messengers willing to die for the gospel that would ultimately transform this planet? What transformed these guys? One word. Evidence. Evidence. Jesus showed up and said, touch this. Talk about apologetics. (coughs) They had the ultimate apologetics. Now, we might not have the wounds of Jesus to touch for ourselves today, but he has still provided evidence. In fact, Paul says that there is enough evidence found in nature itself, in God's creation itself, that no one has an excuse to not be a believer. Let's look at what Paul says in Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Now, I'm not going to spend time this morning giving you all of the evidence uh, to answer all those big questions. You guys know I like to talk about that stuff. But I would encourage you, if you have questions about that, go to freethinkingministries.com. We want to be a toolbox of sorts for you. In fact, I've got some brochures up here if you'd like, like one after the service. But we want to be a, a toolbox for you. We desire to equip the church to engage the culture. And so if you ever have any of these doubts, passing doubts or doubts keeping you up at night, go to freethinkingministries.com. We probably have your, uh, the answers to your questions there. And if we don't, we encourage people to contact us and ask us these questions, and we'll get the answers for you. Also, if you're doing evangelism today, you will talk to people who have doubts, whether it be friends or family members. Send them to Free Thinking Ministries. Or you go there yourself and find the answers and go back and share it with them while you're building these relationships. We desire to equip the church, you, to engage the culture so that you can have effective evangelism. But you see, when one understands the truth that God exists and has revealed himself through the person of Jesus Christ, Then one has an intellectual foundation to take the rest of their thoughts captive by. Now, we might have the occasional passing doubt, but when evil attacks us in in this matter, or in this manner, then we can take those thoughts captive and compare them to the vast amounts of evidence that we have that proves otherwise. Compare them to the vast amount of evidence that we have that proves that Christianity is true. We can take those thoughts captive. You see, ours is not a blind faith by any means. No, it's a reasonable faith. Christianity is a reasonable faith. So I encourage you to begin 2016 by taking your intellectual thoughts captive. And if you need help, freethinkingministries.com is there for you. Well, the next way you can become transformed by the renewing of your mind in 2016 is by taking your emotional thoughts captive. Our emotions can be all over the place, right? One thing I've learned is that I cannot always trust my emotions. Now, most of the atheism I see today, and actually most of the weak Christianity that I see today, is based on people not taking their their emotional thoughts captive. For example, consider the problem of evil and suffering. Adrian mentioned this in passing a couple of weeks ago in one of his sermons, <clears throat> and I, I believe he's going to do an entire uh, sermon series on this topic, but emotionally, the problem of evil and suffering affects each of us, every one of us, every person who's ever lived. Emotionally, these thoughts, if not kept in check, can wreck havoc on our lives. We have intellectual answers to these questions and these challenges and these emotional problems. We have intellectual answers to them. But if we don't take those thoughts captive, well these thoughts can have consequences. These thoughts can have eternal consequences. So it's vital that we've got to take these emotional thoughts captive. And emotions are so powerful. I mean, a few weeks ago, I went to see the new Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens. Anybody seen that? It's like, all right, a couple people. All right, come on. <laughs> um, I think most of us have seen it. All right, but I love that movie. Big Star Wars fan. And uh, I saw it, I think, four times in the first six days it was out. And then my wife and son took me to see it in the IMAX in Omaha in 3D a couple days ago, and that was awesome, but. You know, the first time I saw it, I went through so many emotions. I felt joy. I laughed. I felt uh, fear, and then I felt angry. Oh, and it was a righteous anger. You know, you know what I'm talking about. If you've seen the movie, where I got righteously angry, right? Um, and, and then I cried, and then I, I felt hope. And then I felt comforted, and then I felt excited. I mean, I went through all these emotions. But I'm not the only one who experiences a wide range, or a wide range of emotions, in a short time. I mean, I recently. Saw a meme on Facebook. My wife and I were looking at Facebook together, and if we do, we have a, a picture of this that we put on the on the screen here? It was a, yeah, there we go. We see the men's, the average men's day, and then the average emotions that all the women go through on a daily basis. And you know, I don't know if that's true, but uh, for everybody. But <laughs> but uh, I, I showed that to my wife, and I started laughing, and then I hit the like button, and that was the worst thing I could have done because. <laughs> Because then she punched me, and then she cried about it, and then she started laughing, and then she cried again, and i 'm just kidding she didn 't do that she didn't do that. well, she did hit me, but it was like a, a soft little love tap, you know but, um, but uh, <laughs> we had some fun with that. but she said uh, she, she said that i didn 't have any room to talk. She said that might be true of her, but I have no room to talk since I go through all of these emotions in a mere two hours when I watch star wars so uh, <laughs> I was like, ah, touche, okay, I won't bring that up again. Um, well, let's get back to my point regarding taking emotional thoughts captive and consider even more of Paul's words. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. this is a really important passage to understand. He says this, "'No temptation has overtaken you "'that is not common to man. "'God is faithful, "'and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. "'But with the temptation,' he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. So you see, Paul talks about that we have an ability to choose otherwise, okay? Uh, This means that if you sin, God provided you a way out so that you did not have to. That means that you are responsible for your sin, not God, not anybody else. You had a way out, and you did not take it. You are responsible. You did not have to sin. You did not have to act on your emotions. So often, if not most of the time, our sin is the consequences of not taking emotional thoughts captive. You see, many times, emotions are the result of physics and chemistry in your physical body. However, you see, you are so much more than a mere physical object. I've talked to you about this before, but my master's thesis at Biola, I proved logically and deductively that you are a soul, an immaterial soul or a spirit that has a body and uses a body. So I can talk to you more about that if you'd like, and it's all over our website if you'd like to look at it. But you are more than just your body. You are a soul or a spirit that has and uses a body, or that has or uses a body, but you can freely choose to take those emotional thoughts that are based on physics and chemistry so often. You can take those captive. You do not have to act on your flesh, is what Paul says. Paul goes on to talk about the desires of our flesh, which again is based on physics and chemistry so often. Okay? Galatians 5. Let's spend some time in Galatians 5. Paul says. But I say, walk by the Spirit, right, an immaterial reality. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit... You're not under the law. And Paul goes on in chapter 5 and says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. You see, we can choose to behave this way even when we don't feel like it. You can exhibit self control. You have free will to choose to do otherwise. You are responsible. We can exhibit self-control, and we are commanded to do so. You are not a falling domino. You have choices to make. Choose wisely. Choose according to the teachings of Jesus. So I encourage you to begin 2016 by taking your emotional thoughts captive. These emotional thoughts and feelings are sometimes caused by chemistry and physics, and sometimes these emotional thoughts are due to not taking our intellectual thoughts captive in the first place. If you need help, freethinkingministries.com is there for you. Now the last kind of thoughts I'm going to encourage you to take captive in 2016, so that you can become transformed by by the renewing of your mind, is regarding relational thoughts. Our relationships are all about corresponding to reality. Jesus, in his two greatest commands are all about making sure our relationship with God is right and that our relationship with all people is right. And when you realize that your relationship with God, and that, that he loves you perfectly, then the consequence of that idea is casting out fear. You can realize that you are no longer a slave to fear when your relationship with God is right. And I'm reminded of a time several years ago when I was coaching Ethan at his wrestling practice. All right, he was just a little guy at the time, little kid. And, uh, and I remember this day, he was really struggling and he wasn't really, I didn't feel like he was listening to my coaching and he was getting taken down a lot and he was getting pinned. And, you know, if you've ever tried to coach your son, you probably, it's kind of hard, you might get frustrated a little bit with him and I was probably a little too harsh with him. And finally, you know, he was getting frustrated with me, I was getting frustrated, so I finally said, okay, I'm going to go try to coach some other kids for a little bit. But I kept an eye on Ethan on the mat. And... And I realized something started to change. And he started taking those other kids down. He started pinning these kids. And so I was glad to see that. But then my heart broke because I realized every time he would pin this kid, he would look to see if I saw it. And what I realized was that what he was thinking was how he performed led to if I accepted him or loved him or not. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. He did not have to perform to gain my love. And so as soon as practice was over, I bundled him up. And I remember grabbing his coat. I grabbed his coat and I looked right in his eyes and I said, Ethan, great job today. But let me tell you something. There is nothing you can do to ever make me love you more. And there is nothing you can do to ever make me love you less. I told him, I love you with as much love as God allows any father to love their son. And there is nothing you can do to change that. I said, even if you lost every wrestling match in the rest of your life, I won't love you any more or less because of it. And if you win them all from here on out, I won't love you any more or less because of this. There's nothing you can do to change that. And when you realize I had perfect father love for him, (laughs) he he started wrestling with freedom. And win or lose. It became fun to watch. You see, when our relationships correspond to reality, things change. Ideas have consequences. You know, I encourage you to take your thoughts captive. And if you need help, as I said, freethinkingministries.com is there for you. But so is carnieefree.com and the pastors of this church. And we have an awesome church and an awesome staff. And I encourage you, let's work together to take our thoughts captive so that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This will be an awesome 2016, and I look forward to 2017 if we all do this together. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for impacting our lives. Thank you for working in our lives and, and showing us through Jesus how to take our thoughts captive, how to become transformed, by thinking according to his ideas. Lord, I know that if we all choose to think according to the teachings of Christ, we will become transformed. And when we do that as a, as a church body, as we engage in this world and in this culture, we will see culture transformed for your glory. God, we want nothing more than that. And we, we just ask you to keep equipping us to engage this culture. Lord, I pray that each one of us falls more in love with you and that our relationships with each other are right and that our relationships with you is right. God, please impact our lives and use us to impact the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen.